ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. From some of the best elk hunters in the world. Across the canyon, pop up the other side and the wind is right at my back and blows right into it. I cut him off and say, I'm the best one, not you. I love it, man. I feel like I'm super blessed to call myself an elk hunter. To beat them at their game, to get them within that bow range, convincing them that I'm one of them. you got to close that distance really quick on him. And if he's going to engage that much, that's a dead bull. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast. Sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion. Pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. Boom. Mr. Michael Batiste, what's happening, brother? Oh, living the dream, brother. How you doing? Uh, about the same. I'm just not sure whose dream it is. <laughs> I, I know. You know, of course, uh, of course, right now I was sitting there today and and, and I was like, God, I have this, this eager energy. And, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm like, oh, that's right. There's six and a half, seven feet of snow up on the mountains and I'm not up in the mountains hiking trails. So that's, that's where that eager energy is coming from. And, and I was like, man, I might, I might have to grab my fly rod and just get on the river in Boise this weekend, just to, just to get outside. Yeah. 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 It's needed, man. I'm, you know, I'm here in the, in the S show and, uh, and <laughs> if you thought it couldn't get worse, this thing, you know, this place is busting at the seams, you know, people are like, Oh, it can't, can't get any worse than this. And I'm like, it's already, it's been done. Got, you know what I mean? And it's just like, good Lord, man, exit plan. Hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I read or, or I saw something the other day that was talking about the top States with the most growth for this year. And Idaho was number one with the most people moving in. And then on the reverse, on the bottom half of it, it talked about the States that had the most number of people leaving mm-hmm. and in California and New York were ranked right up there up top of, of, you know, people flooding out of the state. And, and well, well, we can get, we'll we'll talk about that for a second. What, what scares me about that, right? And and you guys, you know, everybody in in Idaho and Colorado and you know all these Montana, don't bring the same stupid ideologies and voting principles to that state, right? What, what, you know, if you're running from it, 
then run from it and stay away from it. Stop doing yep. it everywhere else, you flipping idiots. I mean, it's bad, yeah. dude. Like, I don't – I'm right of center, right? And and I'm not going to – I don't lean one way or another. I'm definitely not a, a Brandon fan, we'll say, but I'm not a, a Trumper, <laughs> right, for, the, for the, right. the sake of the word. But I don't believe in this madness, and I'm sure as heck not going to run from it to bring – what I'm running from with me is the yeah. the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It, it just doesn't make sense. Let's go pollute everywhere else with it. Well, and, and I've overheard those conversations taking place here that, you know, we'll be at a grocery store or something and you'll hear this conversation. It's like, yeah, we just moved up here from California and you'll have a local Idaho and go, don't move here and try to turn this state into what you just left. Mm -hmm. Just, just embrace this state for the reason that you moved here and just enjoy what it is, but don't try to change it into what you just left. And the people were like, no, that's why we chose here. So it's like, okay, then yeah, you can stay. It's just, it's so, it's just a strange phenomenon. Man. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. And a lot it of it is. too, right? As businesses will move out of you know a, a high tax state like California, yep. and, and yep. they'll look to settle in an Idaho or something. And the problem is, is that now people are moving in because of that business. Uh, you know, people left the state and hey, come with us over here, but they don't have the same runner outlook for the lack of a better phrase, right? They're not right. they're not thinking along those lines of escaping it. They're moving there for business. And then the people yep. of that state that they move into hurt because that's job opportunities for a growing economy for, you know, residents of that state. And it it's just a there's there's all these loopholes and traps, if you will. And it's just, man, just find me a town and give me, you know, an hour to work. And I'll be happy, man, with 2,000 people in a town that I can just kick my feet up in and, and just enjoy it for what it is. You know, we could always run north and just uh, end up on Huntsman's doorstep. Yeah, I don't know, man, because he's living in a blue he's living in a blue tent like the Sultan of Bernai or something right now with three foot of snow caving at SOBN. You can see all the did you all the do you see how he's got that wall tent set up with the TV and the couch and yeah. the and the, uh, he, and the wood stove? He myself and uh Joe recorded that episode. I don't know, it's been a couple yep. of weeks, but we got we got a really, really good email. Um, on that episode and we were trying to jump on and address that email i didn't want to miss the opportunity it was a phenomenal email from a, a gentleman back east and he sent me pictures he's like sorry bro i can't do it today i got three foot of snow to shovel the the house is falling down and i'm like he lived like the sultan of bernai dude in a in a blue tarp tent because it had yeah. it was like sagging and i was like oh poor jimbo man i can't wait till he gets the homestead to where yeah. he's not struggling through that stuff, but yeah, yeah, very, very true. But once he once he's got it done, I mean, what a what a paradise he's oh, gonna have. What yeah, a, yeah. Uh, he made the right move. I think. I think he is ahead of the curve, right? I mean, he he's just like, hey, I'm not dealing with this stuff. I got to get out of here. I got to do this, and and I think it was a great move, man. I mean, he did it. He did it earlier than most. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But good, good on him for doing it, you know, and, and looking at his family and, and really wanting the best for them in that move, which is 
it's an interesting thing, man. You know, like for us talking about doing this and, and escaping this place. And one of the holdups has really been making sure that my wife is comfortable with it. Right. Cause it's, it's a lot to be said about growing up urban and then saying you're done with it. You know, I'm yep. looking at areas, like I said, dude, we're uh, the one property we looked at uh, that's SOB was, you know, 20 miles from the highway five of which was pretty much dirt and then another 45 minutes to the city. And she's like, uh, how, how are we going to do this? She's looking around. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a different mindset. That's, mm. that's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and, and it's one of those things you're exactly right because, you know, on paper, it, it, it looks and sounds extraordinary, but then once you submerse yourself in it, then reality starts setting in. And, and, and for example, where Jim's at, you know, um, and, and well, we'll just talk about, you know, Boise, a lot of these people that moved in during the spring or summertime, you know, when the weather was good and now, you know, <laughs> we've had three times the amount of snow so far this year than we have in, in, I'm, I mean, it's, it's just been getting record snowfalls. Now all of a sudden these people are like, um, what, what do we move to? Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> welcome. Welcome to real weather people. Welcome to having four seasons, <laughs> four seasons. Exactly. You know what it yes. is, is Idaho's smart. It's like, now nah, you sons of bitches run back. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I saw this deal on TikTok the other day that it was East coaster. That was like, you know what? Don't mess with people from Idaho. These these people just want to be left alone. In fact, these are the these these people in Idaho took a produce and turned it into a weapon. They have something that's called a potato cannon. And people in Idaho just want to be left alone. And you know, every house has either a gun and a potato potato cannon or one or the other. <laughs> And they just shoot shit for fun. And in fact, people in Idaho, they don't like anybody. In fact, people in Idaho don't like people from Montana because the states are touching. <laughs> so when I was just, <laughs> I was listening to this and I was just cracking up and I was like, oh, I got to go to the comments. I, I got to read the comments on this. It, it sucks. I, I will tell you, it, it does suck to have, you know, to come from a state that has such a bad reputation in that realm because not all of us believe in it. No. You know what I mean? No. And there's a lot a ton of people here that that are not call it politically active in any way shape or form. Shame on them. <laughs> right. But have no clue, you know, on either side of it. Uh you just have this dense population of all walks of life, but then yep. you leave the state and, you know, I jump in the truck and I'm in Wyoming or Utah or Colorado or wherever and Man, the looks you get and stereotyped. Yeah. And it's, it sucks. It was funny. So we flew into Colorado. That was Thanksgiving week to go prospect. And <laughs> this is one of the first times we haven't drove. I always drive out and we had a limited time and it was like, look, let's maximize this time so we can get as many loops around, you know, prospect mm -hmm. as we can. And uh, we get in, it's like 1130 and the guy's like, oh, what kind of car you want? And I go, dude, just, you know doesn't matter just make sure it's something that uh, we can get around the the weather in we'll be up in the mountains and uh, we go out to the car dude and i walk up and i go son of a bitch my wife goes california plates yeah <laughs> i go look at the damn license plate and she goes oh she goes is it really gonna be that bad and soon as we hit the highway dude you know what i mean like on your it tail started. i was like you yeah. gotta be kidding me man i can't escape it so the first thing we did 
we got home and I go, you know what? See, get on, get on uh, Department of Revenue and look at the transportation. See how how we change our plates and our licenses. It's like that's the first thing I want. <laughs> I want to disown the stigma. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny. I saw I, I, I saw a picture the other day. It was actually taken here in Boise that was of a, a of a car with California plates, and they wrote a hand sign that says, "I'm not really from California. This car is a rental." <laughs> that's they, that's put, probably legitimate. That's probably put legitimate. that on the back of the car. Because <laughs> I was like, man, how do I? I almost if it wasn't so crowded, I would have walked back in and asked for a different vehicle. Oh, yeah, because it, I mean, it, it sucks. Like the stigma sucks. It's embarrassing. Some of the crap that's coming out of here and what's going on. And then the media doesn't help it. Right. Cause I'll have people no. hit me up and be like, Oh God, man, I'm sorry. You're dealing with that. You know, when are you, are you guys getting out of there? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like that, <laughs> you know what I mean? So the, the media has a lot to do with it, but oh, absolutely, there's, there's a ton of truth in, in the dumb is the dumb mess getting towed out of the state with some of these people. And some people yeah. just want to be free of it. You know, yeah. they just want to be free of it. And it's just, it's crazy, man. But how do you, how do you do that when it's on a national level at this point? Right. The, the dumb mess, you know, it's just. Right. Whoosh. So yeah, we'll get off, get off of that. That's like 12 minutes of, uh, I'll never 12 talk minutes on the soapbox. Uh, yeah. And I'll, I, I may talk about what it feels like to leave, but I'll never I'll never, only thing that's going to hold me here is, uh, my son and my elk points. So I can get after that Thule. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 The whole, the, you know, okay. Since, since this is supposed to be an elk episode and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make this transition, you know, California is actually one of the only States that has all three species of elk in it. The Thule, Rose, Thule, Roosevelt and Rocky mountain. So there, we said a positive about California and that's a good transition into talking elk. There we go. <laughs> so ECA man, um, why don't you, why don't you drop a little bit of, little bit of ECA and what ECA is about. Uh, I, I hate to think that people don't know uh, what it is, but let's update them. Um, just another one of the great platforms for, you know, elk folks, new um, veterans to get some information and to broaden the horizons, man, to yeah, knock you bet. down. So, so yeah, elk, elk Calling Academy, when first originally started it, Elk Calling Academy was all about one-on-one -on -one lessons. And, and even though it's called Elk Calling Academy, it, it covers all gambits and facets of hunting elk. Uh, it's, it's not just, you know, vocalizations or how to use a diaphragm read or what sounds to make. It, it, it goes, it, it dives deeper into that. And we've kind of transitioned. We still do one-on-ones, but we've kind of transitioned more into an e-course type. Uh, we've been using Patreon on for the last two years, I think. Uh, we have a full e-course video series in there of instructional videos. We also have articles in there about uh, FOC, about AeroFlight, um, shot placement. Um, you know, we have a little bit of fitness in there. Um, and, and so we've kind of transitioned more into that e-course. And for 2022, we're going to dive even deeper into that e-course e to where I'm um, going to 
completely re-record all of the instructional videos and we're going to switch platforms away from Patreon into a true e-course because uh, that's one of the feedbacks that I got from a lot of people. Uh, Patreon can be kind of tough to find information on. And so by by transitioning into you know a true e-course so that it's easier to find chapters, it's easier to find the information that you want. Um, and, you know, I still do. I, I know for a while when I started, it was doing, you know, Wapiti Wednesday live Q&A, which, which I know you're a huge fan of. And we were doing that every Wednesday on the public. And I still do it every other week. It's just in that paid group. Um, and for 2022, we are actually going to bring back the public live Q&As. We're going to do it once a month um, just to kind of, you know, get a little bit of information out there. But but yeah, ECA, it's it's all about gathering and helping people with the knowledge and shorten that learning curve. I mean, you know, this is going to be my 34th year of chasing elk with a bow on public land. And, and so ECA is all about sharing those triumphs and those failures and, and, you know, what we've learned over all the years and how we've adjusted is, is, you know, elk have adapted, you know, throughout the years. I mean, with, with wolves on onset and increased hunting pressure and, and, you know, they, they adapt the way that they live every day. And so we have to kind of adapt a little bit with how we, you know, pursue them. And, and so that's what ECA is all about is just sharing that information and the live Q and A's are a blast. And that's one of the things that we're going to do different for 2022 is it's, it's always been done on YouTube. And for those of you guys that are thinking you're going to jump to YouTube and find these live Q and A's recently, you're not going to be able to find them because they're unlisted videos and you can only get to them with the link in the in the patreon page which you know you can go to elkcallingacademy.com and you can join the herd and, and get access to that but the last session that i did in 2021 was I, I basically said it's it's all about you and i let the herd members ask questions and bring up topics and i bounced things off of you know what do you guys want to see in 2022 what do you want to see different and one of the things that i asked them of what do you guys think about occasionally doing a zoom call where we get everybody online on zoom and we have that interaction of talking just like, you know, you and I are talking and man, a lot of people were like, I love that idea. And, and I said on those zoom calls too, I may bring a poll of a couple of you guys out of the crowd and let you talk about your journey and, and what you've learned over the years and, and how ECA is, is, you know, helped you grow in, in what you're doing. And so, so a lot of, a lot of fun, exciting things coming for 2022. And of course, coupled with the new e-course is also going to be an ECA shop that is going to have full-blown print-on-demand ECA apparel and accessories. and Because that's another one of the number one questions that I get asked is, when are you going to have more t-shirts in? When are you going to have more sweatshirts in? When are you going to have more hats in? And, and so I've been doing a lot of research on print-on-demand companies that have good quality you know, shirts and hoodies and hats and that kind of stuff that offer that print on demand so that I don't have to sit here at my house and, and keep 20 different styles of t-shirts and seven different sizes and eight different colors. And, and so it's really going to be customizable for people so that they can really choose 
they can choose the color of shirt that works well with their color wheel <laughs> for, that, for the season. You know what? Exactly. One of the things that I, I really, really enjoyed about the live Q and A's was the sense of community, right? And yes. I don't want that to go unsaid, right? And it was it was very impactful, right? Because I mean, not only do do people and and it's you know kind of where we're at with all these platforms, right? Is this how we're, we're meeting people and, and befriending people, so to speak. And um, the sense of community was extraordinary on those, yeah. on those lives. Right. I mean, people are, you know, talking via text or via phone calls to each other and sharing the ideas and, you know, see a question that, that pops up for you. And then, Hey, you know, hit me up and they talk about it. And that was, uh, that was, Really, really nice to see that kind of camaraderie and that sense of community coming through those lives. So I'm excited to hear that they're back. Oh, yeah. And and that's one thing that I absolutely missed was the interaction with the large group of people that, you know, were on. And, and you're exactly right. You, you you had that community. You had those. God, you, you had a lot of the same people that were there every single Wednesday. And, and they were they, they were not only just there sitting in the background, but they were there and contributing and they were asking questions. And the, and the cool thing is, and this is one of the things that I talked, you know, a couple of weeks ago in, in, in the herd member group was. The ability to do that interaction, somebody may ask a question that you've been thinking of, but maybe you're a little timid to ask it. <clears throat> and so then somebody else asked that question. You're like, oh, that really wasn't a dumb question. I'm okay asking my other questions and it opens up the door, which then all of a sudden, you know, your knowledge intake and your knowledge growth just <laughs> grows tremendously. Just just because now you're open to it and has a lot more conversation back and forth. And, you know, there was also a little bit of trash talking once in a while there, but, you know, between the people I would, I would oh, be yeah. sitting there talking and all of a sudden, you know, the comments are just scrolling. I'm like, wait a minute, what was that? And I'll scroll back down and, and I'm laughing because, you know, here's three, four guys just, mm, you know, back John and back and forth. Yeah, That's that community yeah. though. Oh, it was. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, they're, they're definitely coming back. I've, I've missed it. So so cool, man. Well, we'll keep uh, keep us updated on that, and you know, yeah. however we could help push that out and, and the new platform. So, want to talk to you, and and you know, I the goal for me is is to really hit on elk, right? And and look at these scenarios mm -hmm. that I find myself in, um, and scenarios that I have heard of through conversation, through questions, you know, via email, and I'll answer them. But you know, more inputs better. Um, you know, two minds, 10 minds better than one. Mm -hmm. And a lot of your elk season is spent hunting with the group of guys, right? Yes. Um, yep. So I wanted to talk about that team calling, the partnered calling. Um, and, and I really want to dial it, dial it all the way down. And one of the things that I noticed <clears throat> the last two years with hunting with buddies is that it's like, hey, okay, I need you to get on this and this. And I need you to learn X, Y, and Z. Right? right. And then you get to the woods and it's like, okay, did you get on it? And you get that, you know, that nobody can see me, but you get that look like, uh, deer, deer in the headlights look. Yeah. Uh, right. And it's yeah. like, well, let me, let me hear this call. Uh, okay. Let me hear this call. Okay. What the can you do? Right. And, and, it, and it really, <clears throat> it really puts you in a position to where now you got, you know, 
if it's a three-man group, you got two guys that can do, one guy can't, or one guy can and two guys can't. And so you're in this weird dynamic and it doesn't, it doesn't make for a good productive elk hunt in my opinion. So I want to dial right. all that back and, and, and sure. you know, get into some of the minutia and how do we coordinate efforts and, and work strengths across the board, right? You know, I need, Hey, yeah. I need, I'm weak here. I need you to work on this. You know, are you any good in that? Okay. You can Kyle call and you understand that. Okay. I can, I can bugle like a SOB, uh, but I can't make these sounds and I, I can't get that daggum buzz down. And, you know, yep. so I really want to get into that, man. So take her yeah. away and we'll see where this goes. <clears throat> yeah. So, so I, I've been extremely blessed with, you know, the guys, guys that I hunt with, especially the, the core guys of, of, you know, Bryce and Brandon, you know, we've, we've had over the years, you, you know, somebody else come in and join us for a little bit, then they end up leaving, but it's, it, it's been Bryce and Brandon and I for years. And it actually started with just Bryce and I, and Brandon uh, was, you know, young, I'm crap. I want to, I want to say, you know, he was, he was close to my youngest age, you know, Knox just turned 10. And I want to say Brandon was nine or 10 uh, when, when Bryce and I first started hunting. And, um, but the thing that I'm, I'm really blessed with is because of the mindset, um, you know, of the group, there's, there's not that ego of it's all about me. It's, it's, it's sharing, it's, it's taking turns. It's, we, we get just as much excitement out of, the other person's successes, we do our own. And, and so, and I think that's one thing that's really rare, but also too the, the personalities, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, if, if you got a couple of guys that are hunting and one's real light and free and, 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 you know, the jokester and the other guy is just straight and narrow, those two are going to clash and butt heads. And, and so you got to kind of have find that, that, you know, same type of personality and same type of outlook. And, and it's awesome because Bryce and I have hunted together for so long that there's a lot of times we don't even have to communicate. We just look at each other. We know what the other person's thinking with the situation. And, and so there's not a lot of that having to sit down and grab a stick and draw a diagram in the dirt of, okay, you want to go here and I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this and you do that. It's, it, it's just a look and we just automatically fall into it. But when you can have, and when you find that, it's incredible just because I, I mean, I still, I, I still enjoy solo hunting from time to time, but there's just something about having somebody there that when, you know, you, like you mentioned strengths and weaknesses, there's going to be days with the mountain kicking you in the teeth that man, you were just low. And, and when you're solo, it's all on you. You got to dig deep. You got to grit it out. You got to grind. But when you have that hunting partner that's on the same page, the same level with you, you're going to have it's it's funny because you're going to have these days that if one of you are kind of down, the other one's going to be like, hey, dude, come on, let's go. You, you know that just over the top of that ridge, everything can change or just around, you know, that bend in the creek, everything can change. It only takes one encounter to take it from a mediocre hunt to the best hunt you've ever had in your life. Mm -hmm. and, and so the ability to lean on that person, but also too, when you get into a situation and you kind of sit there and spitball a little bit, uh, man, what do you think? What if we do this? What if we do that? Or on the flip side is if, if, if nothing's happening, 
hey, what do you think? Should we try this? And, and, and so we'll we'll dive deeper into, you know, the two of you kind of working together to kind of create that excitement. But it, it is a special bond. And I know there's a lot of people out there that absolutely love solo hunting. And, and you know, I enjoy talking to them. And it seems like there's a common thread between all of them. And that common thread is, well, I want to do what I want when I want. I don't want to have to worry about somebody else, whether they're on the same page with me or I, I don't want to have to explain what I'm doing. But that's the key when you when you start hunting together and you build that relationship together and you learn together. And, and the other thing with the calling and the strengths and the weaknesses, you're exactly right. One of you is going to be stronger than the other on a few sounds and then it's going to be opposite over here. But the two of you working together to strengthen your weaknesses is going to make both of you a better caller and a better elk hunter, because now you're sharing knowledge and, and you're both there to be able to help each other and push each other and, and just make each other better. Well, not to mention the dynamics in the calling scenario. You know what I mean? It, it's, you know, you're not, you, you got your buddy behind, <laughs> say if you're playing like a power eye or something, you know, you got, him behind you and he's and he's you know piping off and you're playing cow in the middle and hey i'm here and you got that bull out in front of you know so there's there's scenario based stuff there too that i think is hugely powerful but it's building like you're saying it's it's getting to that point right is is having that dynamic or you know relationship that you know that this is our scenario okay boom here we're going here and and that's mm -hmm. the part of it that i don't i shouldn't say i i, I don't know that there's focus on that going into season, right? Hey, hey, you know, John, we're we're going elk hunting. This is where are we going? Okay, we're going to this unit. We're going to go on these dates. Okay, great. You got all your gear? Yeah, I got all my gear. All right, well, let's roll out. But we don't talk about what's going to, and I shouldn't say we don't, broad stroke and generalization. Um, we don't talk about those scenarios leading up to season. And if a guy is, you know, listening to you and he's getting your methodology, so to speak. And what, you know, and I'm over here and I'm diving into row hunting resources and I'm following Chris and that's what I know now. I think there needs to be a melding of that information and conversation. Absolutely. Information. Absolutely. You know, the, the, the more people, and that's, what's kind of cool, you know, today is, is, is there's, <clears throat> there's so many avenues that people can go to and get information. And, and I strongly encourage people go listen to as many as you can and, and, and take the information from each one and kind of create your own yes. approach, your own style. It's not just follow one person to the T the letter yep. it's, 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 it's the melting pot. And, you know, the other nice thing about a hunting partner, and I was just kind of thinking about this was, you know, we're creatures of habits and, you know, we have our favorite hunting areas within, you know, the area that we're hunting, we have our favorite little pockets and we get into that habit of, we always go into that pocket the same exact way. We always approach it in the same trail. We always approach it the same time of day. We always approach it. And it's great sometimes to have that hunting partner to go, dude, enough is enough. We killed you. Let's, let, yeah, yeah. Let's turn the page, man. This channel has been snow for a lot of days here. Let's, let's, let's do something different. Let's, let's take a different approach. And, 
you know, sometimes, and sometimes that's tough because we get set in our ways and we kind of look at our hunting partner and it's like, you dick, how dare you try to make me change what I know and what I'm doing. And then you give in, you're kind of dragging your feet and you're kind of stomping it at the four-year-old that didn't get the cotton candy at the fair. And, and, you know, all of a sudden you go in and then man, it just lights up and you have a great day. And then you kind of kind of swallow that pride pill and go, you know what? You're right. right. Thank you for talking me into doing this. But it also forces you to learn your area better because as soon as we learn that first access into his place, it's like, okay, we got access into this place. We know exactly how to get in there. Now we never stop looking for other ways to get in there. We never stop looking or or we kind of stop looking for those different avenues. We kind of stop looking for different places to set up. And, And so we do, we take that same approach in, we set up at the exact same place. We do the exact same thing. And, and, and it's kind of like, you know, you've heard me talk on Wapiti Wednesdays. Well, are you moving and calling like an elk or are you moving and calling like a human? Because if you're doing that same exact thing in the very same places every single time, that's that redundancy that, you you know, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so how did, how does that look when, when you and Bryce drop in and we'll, we'll start there, right. With, with the two of you guys. And then I want to bring mm-hmm. Brandon into it now, since he's, sure. you know, he's out there with the calling. So how does that look? Give us some scenarios in your setups. So usually, usually it starts with a big battle of who's going to be the caller and who's going to be the shooter, but it's, yeah. it's opposite because most groups are battling on who's going to be the shooter. We're actually battling of who's going to be the caller. <laughs> So because because we get that joy of, of calling in the elk for the other person and, and having that fun. Um, and, and, and I mean, here here's an example. This this past season, um, I had gone out on an evening hunt and I had gotten into a bull and so got back to camp. And then, you know, we were talking about what we were going to do for the next morning. And I said, well, he was here. I said, Bryce, you know, why don't you guys come in from this direction? And we're going to come in from this direction where we were last night. And I knew darn well that the direction I was going to send him into is exactly where that bull was going to be at first light. The reason I was coming in on the other way is because I knew he circled out and he would come by us. So if those guys didn't get on the first light. So I put those guys basically in first chair. And, and, you know, Bryce, Bryce got an opportunity on that bull. And when he got back to camp, I mean, Bryce was like, dude, thank you for, you know, letting me go in there. You could have easily gone in there and killed that bull yourself, but that's not what it's about. Because the other thing that we do is, is we share the meat. I mean, we're, we're back down to a group of three. So we get one elk on the ground. That's a third of an elk for everybody. We get two elk on the ground. That's two thirds of an elk for everybody. We get three elk on the ground. It's a whole elk for everybody because we're all taking part in packing. We're all taking part in breaking it down. So why not share in the success with everybody? But so, so for us, it, it starts with who's going to be the shooter and who's going to be the caller. And then, you know, usually once we determine who the shooter is, then it's shooter's choice of where we're going. Cause we all do have our own little specific pockets up there that we really like going into. And then we have those areas where we really don't like going into, but we know we have to go in there because there's a lot of elk in there. And so, so then, you know, then it's, it's okay. What approach are we going to take? What angle are we coming in? Are we going to come in on the main trail? Are we going to come in? You know, which way are we going to come in? And so we have a game plan even before we've left camp, exactly who the shooter is, who the caller is, where we're going to go to, to hit the trailhead, to start going the, the direction we're coming in. And then from that point on, then once we're moving in, 
then the caller takes over. You know, the caller is the one that decides where to locate from because um, the shooter's got his destination on where he wants to go and where he wants to set up and start doing that. So the caller just decides where you know he's going to go and there's times that you know if if i'm the caller and bryce is a shooter that day that i'm you know i've been doing you know a few locate sessions and i haven't gotten any responses it's like you know what bryce toss a bugle out see if you can get a response see if you're a little different pitch and tone and the one thing that we do too is is even if i'm the caller that day my bow is on the back of my pack the caller always has the bow with him because I don't know how many times we've had that stinking backdoor bull that comes in on the shooter that nobody even knew about. He never said anything. And all of a sudden he's right there. So, but the other thing too, is now this gives you the freedom that, that even though we left camp when the intent that Bryce was going to be the shooter and I was going to be the caller, but we get moving in. And then all of a sudden Bryce gets a response where I hadn't, gotten anything and it's like okay this bull is like in yeah you know this elk's like in your tone because we're still standing in the same spot and and i did my location sequence and nothing and bryce lets the first bugle so but then of course it's almost like opening up the jar of pickles it's like well bryce i loosened it up for you that's that's why you got it Mm -hmm. so but no but but then that gives us the ability to adjust on the fly and go okay it's your tone that's working today so now we're gonna flip-flop so, okay. so it's not just everything, every plan that we have is liquid. It, it's not set in stone. It has adjustability factors in it so that we can make those tweaks and those adjustments on the fly. In fact, you know, we were talking about Joe earlier, you know, he made a great post the other day talking about adaptability. And that is one of the things that, that the ability to adapt during your elk hunt is key because your plan that you think is set in stone, I can guarantee you are going to need to adapt and change because we're going after an animal that is not going to do exactly what we've penciled out. I mean, it would be great if we could sit down and pull out a piece of paper and write down a script for the day. And that's exactly how it's going to happen. But I'm sorry to say it, it doesn't. Un- unfortunately, I think a lot of newer folks think that that's the yep. way it's going to play out, right? Is and, and it goes back to what you were saying about diversifying your, you know, your your classes, so to speak, right? And, and grabbing a bit from each and making it your own, and and really honing in on your strengths and those. And I talked about it with Joe. Is you know, as you're looking through this stuff, run those parallel lines. If if Michael is saying the same thing that Joe's saying, you might want to yeah. hone in on that, right? Don't so much focus on the differences all the time, but really look at the key points that the guys are talking to, you know, talking about in their way and those things that run parallel. That's where the the points need to come from. But man, not not having the diversity in, in your repertoire. Um, and that was me, my first, I'm going to say my first two years, right. Is, is, you know, I had my notes. I tell you, man, I got, I got my breeding sequence, man. It's all, you know, planned out. I got this, I got that. And I noted that I was note in my phone. And because what happens is you get out there and again, you have your script. Well, guess what happens when the excitement hits and those, and, and the excitement hits me to this day. Um, Man, uh, yeah. what was my next line? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? How long How long have I been doing this? And I literally had to, I had to slow down and I would have to pull out my phone and say, okay, that's where I was at. 
and it was beneficial, right? Because it gave me, it gave me time and, and it set up opportunities, uh, whether there was a shot there or not. And I can see what happened from that. And then, you know, the timing part, yeah. I mean, you and I talked about that and you're, you know, you're like, Hey, wear yeah. a freaking watch, dude. you know, time it and, and stick yeah, to you, your time. You know, and the diversity is, is, is key. Absolutely. Cause you, you know, today there's, there's all this online learning and there's all this information that we can get access to. And, and, and when I first started hunting and especially when I got really big into elk hunting, when I moved to Idaho, I didn't have, you know, we didn't have those resources, but I had a resource that I haven't talked about before. I had the opportunity to sit and talk and spend time with Rocky Jacobson Will Primos, Wayne Carlton, Larry D. Jones, Ralph Moline, Jim Horn, Dwight Shue, uh, you know, Al Morris, uh, Dieter Kaboth. I mean, these were all guys that, you know, were pioneers, pioneers. of elk hunting. And, and I came in at the time where... You know, I got the ability to spend time at sports shows with these guys, especially when I started working in the outdoor industry. And and I remember um, I was I was at an elk event in uh, Salem, Oregon, at a sportsman's warehouse, and and they basically turned the parking lot into just a sports show. And I'm in the booth with Rocky, and next to us is Jim and Ann Horn, and and then you had Al Mor or you know Al Morris and Dan Whitmiss, and there was Ralph, and you know at the end of the day, we all went to dinner together. I didn't say a freaking word at the table. I mean, when you're in a group like that. And, you know, and then I've been extremely blessed to, you know, travel around and, and conduct seminars with Rocky and conduct seminars with Wayne Carlton. And, 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 and so, so that's the, that's the diversity that I learned because I learned early on from talking to each of these guys that, you know, there's, there's more than one way to approach this. There's, there's more than one way to be successful about this. And, and so, and I think that's where my diversity and my adaptability came in because of all the conversations and time spent with those guys. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm still thankful and blessed to this day that, you know, I had that opportunity, but, but yeah, so, so Bryce and I, um, you know, we have that adaptability on the mountainside, but the other thing that I think is important too, is, is we keep it exactly light. I, I, I mean, there's times we'll be sitting there and, and, you know, one of us, one of us is, is, you know, doing some location bugles and, and it's like, dude, you might want to turn that around and maybe try calling through the big end. Cause you're sucking today calling through the small end. It's, it's, you know, and, and, and it's just that light is that camaraderie and it kind of lightens things up and, and it definitely helps, you know, throughout the day. So I'm gonna jump us back real quick. So, so how do you think that diversity, how does that play into, or do you think it plays into the amount of pressure that we see on the mountain now, right? But there's there's a lot of folks chasing elk, man. Um, I, I think it's even more important for that factor. You think that plays into it and what we're seeing and silent elk? Oh, absolutely, et cetera, et cetera? absolutely. So, you know, the adaptability, diversity aspect of it. Um, you're you're right. There's 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 more and more people that are getting into into bow hunting, and there's more and more people, you know, getting especially into 
you know, elk hunting with a bow. Um, and, and so you have those things and that's what kind of got me started on some of those chapters in the elk calling Academy of, you, you know, are, are, are you, are you moving around and calling like a human or are you moving around and calling like an elk? And, and, and you're, you know, you touched on it where some people get so laser focused and, and their laser focus is I have one destination in mind and that's exactly where I'm going to go. I don't care what's happening between point A and point B. It doesn't matter. I'm still going to get to point B and they do the same exact thing. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to get to point B as fast as I can. And I'm going to stop and I'm going to bugle a few places along the way. So your adaptability diversity is you have two options in that place. You can be stubborn too and go, no, that's the place I want to go. And then you both compete to get to that same space, which doesn't do anybody any good. Or you can take a look at it and go, okay, we need to adapt on the fly here. You know, somebody's going to get to this spot before us. We need to adapt and go someplace else. Where's where's option B, C, D, E, F, G, H of where else we can go? Or it's, you know what? We know these people are going to blow through this area fast because they have that destination in mind of where they want to go. We're going to slow our pace down. And instead of working elk, we're going to work areas. Work, yeah. What about hunters? Because I've done that. You know, you get into a group of guys and you kind of you kind of watch them for a minute. And and if you've been hunting for any amount of time, you can see real fast how they're going to exactly. move through the woods. And when I see those scenarios, man, I <laughs> well, I capitalize. yeah. And again, that's that's that adaptability diversity that you have. Is as soon as as soon as you hear another hunter in your draw, you have two options. Option one is you can just shut up and sit down and listen to what he's doing. And then, and, and, you know, I shouldn't say he, I should say they, because there's a lot of women getting into this as well. So they, you can sit down and listen to what they are doing. What direction are they going? Are they actually heading to where you wanted to go? Maybe you sit down, get quiet, let them roll out of the ridge and drop into the next drainage. Then you continue to where you're going. Or it's like, you know what? Okay, they are heading to where I where I wanted to go. Now I'm going to adjust where I'm going to go so that you're not interfering with each other. Um, but unfortunately, there's a lot of people that they do the opposite. They run into that scenario and it's like, well, screw that. I'm going to get there before them. And then you go quiet and just hike as fast as you can to get there. And then the battle's on. Uh, well, I got here before you. You need to get the heck out of here. And it's like, it's public ground. Or, you know, the other option that they have is to just they throw their hands up in the air and go, <clears throat> somebody's already here. And, and they just turn around and they go back to camp. They don't they don't. And that's the other thing, too, with with cell phones and on X or base map. I mean, my God, you can pull out your phone and you have an aerial 3D view of what's around you. And okay, mm -hmm. let's adjust and adapt on the plan that we have. We actually had to do it. Or have yeah. a conversation. Have a conversation. Oh, absolutely. Right. And say, hey, let's let's bust out that, you know, whatever yep. app you're using. And we were planning a hunt here. What was your plan? Oh man, I didn't really have a plan, you know. Um, and, and go through that. I mean, <laughs> Some folks just no. don't know the no. etiquette, right? And 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 there's a lot of folks that don't know the etiquette. So it to me, and I'm the and I'll walk away. I'll be like, hey, you know, if there's elk here, there's elk over there. I have no problem. Like, hey, yeah. man, I'll you know, yeah. I'll bow out of here. And and it's not about no. a confrontation or anything. It's just a 
a confidence I have and, and, and what I want to spread throughout the yeah. woods, so to speak, right. Is, you know, like, Hey, you know, I got you, you're in here, but I'll tell you what, if they're, if they're busting brush and just piping and, and kind of, I hate how it sounds, but ignorant <laughs> in what they're doing. I'm, I'm playing oh, yeah. off of that, man. I'm going to go silent. I'm going to let them get some distance and I'm playing off of their, uh, <laughs> their ill travels. Yeah. We'll say. No, we, we had to do it. In fact, here's here. So this year we spent the first part of the season kind of hunting a little bit farther North than what we normally do. We just kind of, you know, we, we did a few scouting trips in there this summer and we're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to spend a little bit of time up here this summer. And we had taken a couple of camping trips up there in the camping spot. Um, you know, we'd never seen anybody in there. And, and so it's like, okay, great. So week before season, we go to take camp in, we're heading in and sweet, nobody's here. And so, you know, we pull in and set up camp and right at dark, here comes a truck and a travel trailer and it stops right at the entrance. And they, they sat there for a good five, 10 minutes and then they, you know, went on and, and I'm like, I wonder if they wanted to camp here and, you know, they would ride, ride by camp and, and, you know, we'd wave. You know, if we were, if we were heading out in the morning and see them, you know, we would wave, we're always cordial. And the final straw was, you know, these guys had bumped us a a few times and we got to, and and we were talking about moving anyways. It's like, you know, okay, it's, it's time to go back to our normal spot. And it's like, okay, you know, tomorrow morning, let's get up let's go buy this wallow. Let's hunt this real quick. And if nothing, you know, we'll come back, we'll tear down camp and we'll, we'll move to our normal spot. And and so we got there before dark and we kind of stayed up on this elevated spot and the road kind of goes down, then the trail takes off. But when you're elevated, you can hear this whole entire face and, and, you know, the flats down below. And so we were sitting up there before light and then just kind of doing, you know, some bugling in the dark to see if anything was there. And, and we hear a side-by-side coming and it's like, sweet. So I walked out to the edge of the road because I'm going to communicate with you. It's like, Hey, where are you going? This is where we're going, you know, just so we're not interfering. This person rode right by us down the road, stopped right at the trailhead that we were going to go in. And I'm like, my blood started boiling. (laughs) <laughs> so I told, you know, I told Bryce and Eric, you guys stay here. I'm going to jump in the truck and I'm going to go down there and have a conversation. And Eric's like, uh, yeah, you're going to have a conversation. I can see the bane popping in your forehead. I'm like, no, I will be cordial <laughs> and quiet. Well, then I hear a truck coming. So again, I step out to the edge of the road and the truck stops. Come to find out they're hunting together and they normally camp exactly where we're camping and they have for years. And I'm like, okay. And I said, well, uh, that side by side is they with you. Yeah. I said, well, he just rode right by without even talking to us and, uh, pulled right down where we're going. And he's like, Oh man, no, no, there's enough room and we'll go down and talk to him. And so he drives down the road and there he's down there for 15, 20 minutes talking And then all of a sudden he starts his truck up and keeps going down the road. That side by side never moved. And, you know, it was one of those hard headed screw them. This is our area. We've hunted here for years. None of none of that ethics. And so I said, you know what? We don't need to go in there. It's not going to do anybody good. Let's just go back and tear down camp. 
we'll move camp over to our normal spot. We move camp to the normal spot. And then, uh, I'm like, well, Hey, let's, let's head up to the motorcycle trail and we'll just do an evening hunt up there real quick. We get to the motorcycle trail, which we've never seen anybody at the end of this motorcycle at the end of the road where the motorcycle trails, (laughs) here's a guy with a little enclosed trailer and a tent. First off, we're trying to figure out how the heck he got this little enclosed trailer back here because it's kind of rushed in a little bit. And so we just kind of pull up and get out and, you know, the guy was just waking up from a nap and came, got out of his tent and started talking to him. And, and, you know, he's like, yeah, I've been hunting here a few days and I normally hunt another zone, but you know, this or that. And, and it's like, well, where are you going? He goes, well, I've been going up the trail a little bit and then hooking right. And I'm like, okay, well, you, you know, that's one of the things that we do, but we were wanting to go up the trail and hook left. You got here before us. And he goes, shoot, no. He goes, you guys going left. You're going to be in a completely different drainage. You're not even going to bother me. I'm just going to work this face. And we're like, man, that's awesome. And, and, you know, it was like, Hey, you know, you're solo, man. If you get out there on the face and you get something down, we'll help you pack it out. And, and Thank so, you. but, but Thank that's, you, you know, two different encounters. And, and, and two different things, but, you know, we could have been the bullheaded in the first scenario and just gone with what we were going to do. And I know exactly where that guy was going because, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of elk that were vocal over on that side. And so you had a small number to choose from. And it's like, it's not going to do any good with all of us, you know, chasing the one deal. So Let's just go back to our normal spots. And, and so, um, but yeah, again, that adaptability, we had those backup plans that we could adapt. And it's huge to have them. Um, so man, these, these are fun. Um, so we're yep. talking scenarios yep. and team yep. calling. Yep. Yep. Bryce and I, so we're, we're, we're up on the mountain and we kind of finished with, you know, he, he throws a bugle and then we switch. So the other nice advantage of, uh, of hunting with, you know, a partner, the two on one scenario, because um, usually when, when an elk is coming in, that elk is going to stop at the spot that he thinks he should be able to see the animals making the noise. And that's where a two on one scenario is nice because you can put that shooter up at that stopping point. And the caller is back far enough that, you know, because the shooter's not making any sound. So once you get in a setup, that shooter is quiet. The only time he's going to make a sound is it's either to stop the elk in a shooting lane or he made the shot and he's following up some sounds to try to calm that elk down. Other than that, it's the caller making all of the sounds in that setup. So the two-on-one is a huge, huge benefit in that regard. So, because the shooter's completely quiet up there and, and pulling, pulling that bull to that hangup zone. The other advantage, and this is one thing that we do quite a bit. And, and I get, I, I get asked this question a lot. What do you do when the elk are silent? And I've kind of joked a couple of times of just go back to camp and play cribbage. And <laughs> I don't think they really believe me on that one. And, and, and it's you and your hunting partner can work together to create excitement. So, um, and, and whether it's the two of you calling back and forth, doing cow sounds with an excited herd dynamic, or if it's a bull calling to a cow scenario, there are so many options that you can do. The other thing you can do is the caller can be doing the breeding sequence of a bull tending a hot cow. 
And that other hunting partner can act like a bull coming in. And now you have this aggressive that now I'm all of a sudden going to become a defensive bull because here's this bull coming in for my hot cow. And now all of a sudden I'm going to be defensive. These are all scenarios that elk recognize, especially during the rut. I mean, it's, it's a specific thing that's happening. There are specific sounds that happen during September that don't happen any other time during the year, only during that rut time. And, and so when you tell those stories and you work together to paint that picture, you can actually create that excitement where that bull that's been laying out there 300 yards listening to you all of a sudden, you know, he gets up out of his bed and now all of a sudden he cracks off a little bugle. Say, say that again, paint. The <laughs> Cause that's, that's huge. Right. And, and I think, I think if we, if we approached, the entire game with that in mind, right. And, and painting that picture, it, it, it puts every, to me that, that little phrase puts everything out in front of you, right. Cause that's what you're doing. If you can paint that picture, if you can stay focused on painting that picture, when you start your calling scenarios, I, I think that's going to lend itself to understanding and, and more, paying attention to what's coming out of those yeah. brushes. And exactly right. And, and, and so, I, I mean, in reality, what we're doing is, I, I mean, when we're out there calling, we're telling a story, we're painting a picture and, and the intent is to have a bull sound off and acknowledge us and come in. Well, why not create what we want? Why not create to use our hunting partner? You know, that the shooter, why not create and have him be that bull that we want on this scenario? Now, now here's another little nugget because here's where, and, and I know there's other people that have tried this and I've talked to them, but they, a lot of them made the same mistake that they're going back and forth. They're creating the site excitement. And, and all of a sudden, you know, that bull gets up out of his bed and he, ooh, he just lets this little whine. Now all of a sudden the caller forgets about what he's doing with his hunting partner and all of a sudden turns full attention on that bull. And all of a sudden it's, right. you know, and it's like, okay, <laughs> I gotta check it's like, okay, that, that bull is 300 yards out. He is not in your defensive zone. You don't have to be a defensive bull with him because he has not crushed your bubble yet. He hasn't gotten hot, close enough to your hot cow. Your hunting partner is within your bubble and you need to defend against him. And so what we do in that scenario is we actually just ignore the bull. It's like, we don't even care about you. We're going to continue what we're doing here. And what that does is that elicits, especially if you have an older age class bull that's a little dominant in the area, all of a sudden he's going to be sitting over there going, who the hell do you two think you are ignoring me like this? I don't think you know who I am here. And then all of a sudden he gets a little more vocal and he gets a little more demanding and he gets a little more, you know, fired up a little bit because, you know, he, he's the big man on campus and we're acting like we don't care who he is, but it's, it's one of those things that by doing that, you get him to the point that you took a bull that was basically dormant. He's just laying in his bed, could care less. And you've elevated him to the point where now he is in an aggressive mindset because there is a hot bull or, or there's a hot cow in his area. And there's two some there's two bulls that aren't is in his class 
that are trying to tend to that lady and completely ignoring who he is and his level of aggression will all of a sudden rise. And then it, it's one of those things that that as soon as you know, and, and I'm sure you've heard this bugle, this bull will crack off a bugle and you immediately know he's coming. And at that point, the shooter shuts up and now falls into line and the caller can adjust what he's doing, moving back behind so that he's putting that shooter in line for the inner intersection with that bull. So, so are you, so for me, I like to stay in eye shot of, of the shooter. Um, are you guys staying in that eye shot so you can adjust to the come in? Um, we, and then for me, I, I like to continue to yeah. read the scenario, right? It's it, sometimes the vocalizations will mm -hmm. end at a point and that bull coming in will do things. And I need to be able to read those cues to continue. Oh, that absolutely. As, as the shooter, you're reading all cues. What's his mindset? Is he still aggressive? Is he, yeah, you know, is, is he responding to bugles more than he is cow calls? Which direction do I need to, uh, you know, move to pull him? What's the wind doing? Where's my shooter at? Are we always within eyesight of each other? No, not always. Sometimes there could be a little role where I'm on the backside and I've got to adjust one way or another, or there's something that we can't have that eye shot. But by reading the cues and paying attention to what you're hearing on his responses, where am I hearing the twig snap? You, you know, and also understanding elk too, that I know where my shooter is. I know what the wind's doing, whether it's going uphill or downhill. So I know pretty much which way that guy's going to loop to try to get my wind. He doesn't know the shooters out there. So I need to make sure sure that I am far enough to one side or the other from my shooter that that bull passes on the upwind side of my shooter. So, so yeah, there's, there's constant reading the situation and paying attention. And, and, you know, it could have been when you started with this, you were heavily on cow sounds and he was responding really, really, really well to cow sounds, but now he's getting frustrated because that cow's not coming and, and, you know, your bull back there. And now he's, he's, you know, vocaliz vocalizing more towards the bull of, you know, you need to get out of here. And, and that's the other thing too, is, is paying attention to what that bull is saying in response. And I mean, I've had this conversation with, you know, lots of people where we're working bulls and, and they're like, yeah, this bull was, man, he was just doing this. And, and he was going nuts on our cow calls. And we, we went back and forth for an hour and 15 minutes. And all of a sudden he just shut up and laughed. And I was like, okay, well, what kind of cow sounds were you doing? Oh, we were just, we were just doing mews and chirps. Well, what type of bugle was he doing? Well, he was just doing this bugle, but man, he was just getting excited. And, and, and I said, you know, there's been times where I've, I've, I've grabbed my reed and grabbed my tube. And I said, okay, did the bull start off like this? And they're like, yeah. I said, and you kept doing cow sounds, right? Yeah. I said, and then let me guess, after about 20, 30 minutes, the bull started responding like this. And they're like, yeah, he was getting excited just like that. And I said, he's not getting excited. He's getting frustrated. And they're like, why is that? I said, because basically the bugle he was giving to you was saying, come here. 
and you weren't coming here. He was asking you for an action of come here. And the fact that you were just doing normal cow sounds, you were just communicating with him. You never asked him to come to you. So basically he was getting frustrated because you weren't coming. And then finally he got quiet because he got tired of dealing with you. You weren't coming to him. He got bored and was like, I'm going to actually go find a cow that will listen to me. So rabbit hole, right? Since, <laughs> since you said it, let's, let's talk about it for a minute, right? And, and you know, the communication, right? Yeah, there's there's sounds, right? There's there's communication that's like, I'm here, hey, Tony, hey, Ezekiel, that whole line there, right? But then there's actions, yes. there's requests, and there's respondents to those, those requests yeah. for action. So kind of talk about that a little bit since we're talking, yeah. since you brought it up. So I heard yeah. it. <laughs> so, so that was a scenario right there where you have a bull that's asking you to come to him. But a lot of people don't understand that. So they stay exactly where they are. They don't do that, what that bull's asking. And on the flip side, you know, you could easily do something like an assembly, uh, an assembly mew or a regathering mew where now you're asking that bull to come to you. You're asking now you're asking him for an action. You're not just communicating because if all you're doing is communication sounds. He's over there doing communication sounds or asking you to come to him. If you've never asked him to come to you, why would he? I mean, granted, Sometimes you can get a younger age class bull that will be like, okay, I'm kind of curious. This chick's kind of nuts. She's not coming to me. I'm going to go check it out. You know, why, why isn't she coming? You're, you're playing on that curiosity card, but on a, on an older age class bull, that ain't going to happen. He's set in his ways. He's going to sit there and he wants you to come to him. Now on the flip side, I hear this scenario a lot too. Oh my God, this bull was just doing this huge guttural bugle and man, we just stayed there and he was getting excited and, but he just, he never came in. What did we do wrong? I'm like, because that deep guttural bugle that he's giving you is telling you to stay where you're at. And you're doing exactly what he's asking exactly you to do. Yeah, you're bugling back and he's really vocal because you're close enough to him that, you know, he needs to tell you to stay away. But the fact that you're doing exactly, you're staying exactly at that distance that he's okay with. And they're like, yeah, but he, he started getting more intense. You're right. He raised his intensity level because you weren't going away. You weren't all that you were staying exactly where he was telling you to, but he's getting more demanding at it. He's getting more vocal about it because he's getting more frustrated because you're not going away. So, so it's, it, it's understanding those little cues. And I, and I think if people could, you know, tap into that and go, okay, Hey, this bull is asking us to come to him. If he's 300 yards away, do you have to go 300 or 299? No. But if you go 200, you know, you're hundred yards out from him and then set up, you know, now it's like, Hey, 90, 10 rule. It's like, dude, I came 90, 90% to you. You need to come 10%. You know, you need to, you need to show me a little bit of effort here. So, um, or the, or the opposite, man, that bull is screaming at me. He's telling me to stay away. Uh, -uh. I'm going to burst his bubble. I'm going to go silent. I'm going to go into him and I'm going to burst his bubble to where, because if a bull has an option, it's fight or flight. So if you're far enough away, he's going to choose flight. But in that scenario where he's telling you, hey, I'm a dominant bull, you need to stay away. 
and then you move towards him, you know, you go, you go silent, you move towards him and you break that bubble, you eliminate the flight, the, the fight or flight option. And all you leave is fight. And I'll tell you what, those are the situations where you get a bull nostril flares, eyes bulging, peeing all over himself. He's going to run through anything and everything because he wants to show how big of a Mac daddy he is. And those are exciting times because it will sound like a freaking Mac truck coming down the hill. And you're like, Oh, I, I done pissed him off. He is coming hard. That, yeah, that's when you, that's when that excitement hits you and you just lose it. Um, so, so to step back, right. And you're talking about, you know, him, him throwing out the, uh, the, uh, gathering, right. He's, he's trying to pull you in. You can, you can flip that on him, right. Is, is hit him with that assembly mew or that regathering mew and hit him with a frustrated yeah. whine and be as or more demanding in that situation if if you know for whatever reason you can't move in a little bit or you're not certain to where he is on that approach but, if, at but all. if you have that ability oh. even even moving 50 yards or 60 yards if you can just making that commitment to move towards him a little bit then start demanding him to come to you because you've shown that effort of, okay, I've gone, I've gone to you a little bit, buddy. You know, I, I, I've headed your direction. You you need to show me some effort as well. And, and so that's, that's kind of one of the things that, so if I can move towards them, even, even if it is that 50, 60 yards, I'm going to, then I'm going to start being the one demanding. I'm going to be the one that's going to start actually asking him to come to me. And you're exactly right. Now, since, since, you know, he was elevating the frustration level and showing more intensity in that roundup bugle, I'm going to start ramping up and showing more intensity in my regathering muse, my assembly mew, my buzz mew, you know, my frustrated whines. I'm going to start getting into all all this where now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, now you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. I did a little bit of what you asked. Now you're not doing what I'm asking. And that's huge, right? I mean, when, in my head, when, when I think of this type of scenario, what I think of is her dynamic, right? And as much as we love those big BA bulls, that matriarch that cow is oh, running absolutely. the show. So if you do what you said and you break some of that distance, 50, 60, 70 yards, and you start saying, I'm the, yeah. you know, head yeah. cow yeah. my mouth in charge. <laughs> right. Right. You need to, you need to listen. That that bull will listen. And I I watched that and it was so it was like this this mess sounds a little bit cliche. Right. Or, or however, but it was like an orchestra. And I watched this lead cow, man, she's up on this ridge and she breaks out. And then you could see the other animals behind her. There's probably 20, 30 in that group. And you can see them kind of moving through the brush behind her back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, waiting for her approval. And you'll get that little goofy calf that runs out. Um, and you know, and then that younger cow and she'll, you know, barely turn her head and whatever she said, you know, off in that distance, they immediately back up. 
you know, and even the bull, you can see the horn back there and, and the bull will break off, right? He'll get out in front, but he will not right. break cover until that lead cow tells him. So if you think about those type of scenarios and how much that lead cow controls yep. that herd, why not start demanding as a lead cow that, hey, you yeah. come to me. But, but here's the other thing, too. So it, if you're at this distance you know, a ways away. And he's, he's asking you without you showing any commitment to him, probably the reason he's asking you to come to him is there's a good chance that he already has a group of cows and it could only be one cow, but he doesn't want to leave that group. You're too far away for him to leave. Now you cutting that distance a little bit. And all of a sudden you start asking him to come to you and you, and you know, and you get more demanding about it. Now all of a sudden he's like, you know what? That's a shorter distance now. I'm okay leaving my cows to go that short distance to go check her out. Whereas before she was too far away. There's no way in heck. I'm just going to stay right where I'm at and just keep telling her, come to me, come to me, come to me. But you you shorten that distance a little bit. Now, all of a sudden, his mindset changes of, you know, okay, I'm, I'm okay sneaking over there to check her out because I can run over there and check her out real quick and get back here in the cows before any other bulls around come in and, and, you know, scoop my cows up. Man, it was, this is the problem with trying to walk down one path when we talk about elk because you say stuff or I say stuff and it just starts another one. So, so, and you, you have to, to a point, understand the age class oh, absolutely working right because those those freaking younger bulls dude if they know i got my butt kicked when we were when we were picking a pecking order if he has a cow and a calf or two cows or just this that dude is not if he comes out of eye shot it's it's impressive yep. right and they are so timid from when that pecking order is established if they can get any cow the chances of you pulling him 40 yards away and it's thick is, is pretty slim to none unless you're selling it and you better sell it really good. Cause I saw man, those, some of those rags, they'll grab whatever cow they have and oh, they're, they're high tailing it and they're pushing and pumping. They're, they're locked. They're, yeah. We, <laughs> we watched this one, we played him and, and I was actually pretty impressed by him. Cause he had, he had to have somewhere between, Call it nine and a baker dozen, a cow. And uh, he's bugling and chuckling and bugling and chuckling, right? And we knew he had cows, so I hit him. You know, I'm just playing a little punkier bull, keeping my distance and just trying to pique that interest. And he got a little bit excited and demanding that I stayed away. And I hit him. And I, as soon as I hit him, man, and I punched him back because that is the response that we want. Right. Right. I, I knew yeah. it was bad. And the next time we saw him, they were up and over the ridge and they were booking it to private. And I mean, he's hooking and hooking and pushing and hooking. And uh, it was a little bit of distance. And, you know, it was like, okay, I just blew that scenario by that, by that one call after playing this herd for a good amount of time. And it's like, damn, I blew the scenario because I lost sight for just that fraction of a second, man. I watched him. We, we come around and we walk, we're walking down the road. And we're standing there watching him. And he, I mean, he is just vigorously hooking and pushing him. And he's like, get over the fence. They're stopping to drink. The head goes down. He's hooking them. And they jumped that private man. And I think we saw him. I think it took him about a 
day and a half, almost two days to come back yeah. off of that private from that. So you, you really got to you really got to temper that and, and try to understand the best you can, you know, what that age class and what you're dealing with. The best you can get eyes on them. It, it's as difficult as it can be. Uh, in oh, absolutely. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, just listening to vocalizations, sometimes it's a little tough, you, you know, to understand the classification. But but I'll bet in that scenario, as soon as you hit him back with that, you didn't really hear too many more vocalizations from him, did you? Yeah, dude, he was gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was funny because it was like, you know, it was a punky bull and his chest oh, yeah. was pumped out. He was like, I got my cows. You know what I mean? And, and dude, I had eyes on him. Like if, if I knew where, if I knew Brandon didn't have a clear shot on him, I could have arrowed that bull because he felt big and bad enough. He come out in this clearing and I'm looking at him, right? And he's frontal and he's 70 yards away. I'm not going to take a 70 yard frontal shot. I'm crazy. <laughs> I ain't that crazy. And He's up there and he's talking, he's talking, he's talking. Well, then you can, as he, as he escalated his excitement, he turned sideways to show me his stature and started freaking hitting me and chuckling. And just, I mean, you can see he was, he was just right. proud. And I'm like, where is Brandon? That was my shot. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I'll, you know, I know you drive you crazy. You know, I'm going to take a 70 yard shot. Now, now, now here's, here, here's the deal. So, so imagine that scenario, that interaction that you had with that bull right there that, that, you know, upped the excitement that, you know, the intensity level increased. Imagine if you and your hunting partner mimicked that same scenario on a quiet day where one of you was, where one of you was the caller and then the shooter was acting, you know, like the other bull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go get something moving. If you're in them, and that's basically what you're doing in that, in that scenario. Now you talked about bringing, bringing Brandon in. Okay. Brandon's so funny because all the years that I was talking to Bryce and teaching Bryce about calling, Brandon was always there. And, and Brandon's a pretty quiet kid anyways, hardly ever said anything. And, and we were on this hunt one day and, and we kind of rolled into this little Canyon. And then on the way out, it's like, okay, you know, let's, let's all pick different avenues coming, coming out because, you know, we're all going to meet back at this point. And, and so we all break up and, and, and we're working out. And then all of a sudden I hear this cow. I'm like, okay, we got elk right there. And I go into the mode and, and I'm calling and, and nothing. And I'm like, what the, uh, whatever. So, you know, move up the trail again. And then I hear that freaking cow again. And so I start calling to it. There's got to be other elk there. If there's one there, there's got to be more. And, and cause if it's a solo, you know, she should, you know, she should be coming in and this happened three, four five times. And then finally it dawned on me. That was freaking Brandon. It sounded exactly like a cow. And, and I get up to the top and I loop where Bryce is at and take my pack off. And I, you know, pull out my, my mini, mini candy bars and, and I'm explaining this. And all of a sudden I look and here comes Brandon walking down the ridge to us, dude, I walked over high five, gave him a mini Snickers. And I'm like, you fooled me. So, and, and just, even though I was teaching his dad and talking to his dad, Brandon was there just absorbing all of it. And, and so, so the nice thing about hunting threes is, is, is now we have that ability that, you know, now it's a three on one scenario that, you know, we have the shooter out front, but now the two of us that are back calling, one of us is designated cow, one of us is des designated bull. Now imagine doing a breeding sequence in that scenario Ooh, where you're flat out yep. chasing each 
each other. But you you have that second shooter opportunity that if anything comes in the back door or we get another bull piping from another direction, we don't have to have our shooter, you know, remove or switch gears or this or that. We have that third person there. We have the two shooters. And now all of a sudden, now the caller is basically now working. And now it's like, okay, which one's going to get here first? And it's like, hey, how about if they get here at the same time and we have a long night packing? Hoorah, you know? So, but yeah, adding that third dynamic in now, even your, your ability to elevate the excitement and tell your story on such another level. Oh man. It, it's yeah. You're going, you're, it's like, uh, you're painting the vein. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and especially if there's right. three of us doing that with, on a quiet day where we're spread out far enough, but we're responding to each other. Man, it sounds like a normal herd of elk that's spread out. All the sounds aren't coming from one area. You've got all of them. And you want to talk about those younger age class bulls that don't have any cows. Now, all of a sudden, they hear something coming like that. Dude, Chuck Wagon is on. They come a running. So let's talk about that, that setup into where you're, where you're, you guys are on the landscape, right? So we'll, we'll call, you know, shooter at 12 o'clock um, and you guys, and, and there's a, you know, a bull down, down the drainage, you know, at, at his one o'clock, how are you guys setting up off to his six, his seven, his five? How does that look? Um, is, is, you know, is it, you know, straight in line? Are you putting the cow in the middle of the bull behind? So he's coming to the cow. No, more so, you know, generally what we do is, you know, think of it more of a triangle with, with the shooter being the point and, and the two okay. of us back behind, you know, Colin and in the two of us, you know, usually when we're doing this type of stuff, the two callers are back a little farther. We don't have eye contact at this point because we want to really have the ability that we can move around because we want to be able to chase each other. But we, we also want to have the control that we can adjust to the right or the left of the shooter that we need to, to keep the wind in the right favor. And, and, and so it's, it's, we're, we're never above or below the bull on this. We're on the same plane. And so the tip of the sword is on the same plane elevation as the bull. And then our collars are one side or the other. So it could be that the bull is right in line and the cow is upwind or vice versa. You know, the bull's upwind and the cow is in line. So, and, and, and that's going to change depending on what that bull is really responding to. Is he responding to the bull better or is he responding to the cow better? Because the one that he's responding better to is the one that he is going to try to loop downwind and catch the wind. I mean, he's going to get to that hang up spot first where he's going to stop and, and, and look for those elk. And that's that's another reason why we have, you know, why we get a little bit farther back in this scenario is because now he's looking for two elk. He's got two avenues that he's looking for. And, and so he may have a better line of sight of where Brandon is versus where I am. So by moving back a little bit farther, it means he's got to come even farther or closer which actually pulls him past the shooter. He doesn't stop where the shooter is. He comes past that shooter at that point. So, so, but we're set up in that way that um, 
whatever he's really responding to more is on the upwind side on that triangle. So how long, how long do you guys play these scenarios out? You know, if you, if you get in something and that's, and I think uh, that's a big deal, right. And, and Joe, and I'm going to touch on it a lot because I think folks are going to have slightly different answers. Uh, but Joe and I talked about it on the last Wapiti Wednesday and um human time is what we <laughs> right. work on right you and i three years ago you know and you're like dude you need to you got to slow it down where your yeah. watch you told me you know slow it down if you got to wear your watch wear your watch use that watch how long are you guys allowing or playing out these or waiting uh in when you start interacting with an animal or set up a scenario maybe in you know in the woods and it's silent uh, and you set up a scenario. What what's the wait time or the game so time? Uh, you know we'll we'll work an area for forty five minutes to an hour. So um, you know never never shorter than forty five minutes. Now again adaptability. You know we get into an area. Our plan is 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 to work this area for an hour, but let's say twenty six minutes into it we get a bugle. And that's all we need. We just need one bull to crack off to give us a location. Once we have that response, we don't stay where we're at. We're not, or it's not like, no, we said we were going to be here for an hour. We're going to stay here for an hour. Bull crap. We have a bull that just cracked off. We know his general direction. We know his location. We're on the move. We're heading towards that bull. And so now your clock starts over again because now we're going to move. We're going to set up. If we haven't pinpointed, you know, we're going to move in close enough, you know, within that, that 125 yards, you know, in under 150, you don't have to get right on top of them. But, you know, if you can get within that 150 yard mark, then set up. And, you know, and it may be that we need to pick up that calling back and forth to get him going again. But, you know, we move towards him. And, and again, the advantage of this is, is with us feeding off each other and us telling the story and focusing on each other. It doesn't matter what he's doing until he gets to the excitement level or to the point that now we can bring him into the situation and we can start acknowledging him and engaging with him because we don't want to engage him too soon. You learned that lesson where you talked about, you know, you ripped it back and that dude went up over the mountain, left the country for two days. So, so it's, it's all that, that timing thing, but, but yeah, so we'll, we'll work at 45 minutes to an hour. And sometimes, you know, you get that feeling. It's like, God, I, I feel like we got to stay here another 15, 20 minutes. You know, something's just listen to that gut, listen to that little voice. So if that gut's telling you to stay, man, stay, because I don't know how many times the little voice has been like, you kind of need to stay here. But the human time, an hour of human time in the woods can feel like days. And you're like, no, no, we're so wanting that interaction. We're so wanting to hear those vocalizations. It's like, no, we we got to move. And then all of a sudden you bebop 60 yards down the trail. And here's a bull standing on the trail looking at you that was actually coming India that had you given it that extra 15, 20 minutes. Well, you know, and, and I'm going to equate that to, especially early on, um, the the end game, and we know it when we're out there, but the end game is to kill right. the elk, not right. talk right. to the elk, right? And and there's a tendency to yeah. lose sight of that um, because of whatever it is, the excitement, the lack of, you know, 
knowledge or the lack of experience or just him flipping your switch instead yeah. of vice versa. But I, I think we got to stay. Well, you're exactly right. You know, we get so focused on that interaction and, and, and we get having so much fun with it that all of a sudden we stop paying attention to what he's doing. We stop paying attention to the clues that he's giving us. And at that point, we're just having a conversation because it's like, man, this dude has a really, really cool bugle. I love the way it's echoing in this canyon. I just I, I just want to hear him bugle. And we're back there with a smile on our face. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get dawned back into reality. It's like, crap, I've, I've got a job to do back here. I've got to bring him by my shooter so we can put this dude on the ground and get him off the mountain. So, yeah, well, a lot of times, you know, that that you, you've already gone too far. <laughs> is the problem with, with yeah. that yeah. <laughs> it's a hindsight no, and again that's that's circling back around to, to having that hunting partner that you you know get along with and have that relationship with that you know yeah you don't get a shot or this or that and all of a sudden it comes back and it's like you got swept up in the moment didn't you what do you mean yeah so, i got swept up in the moment i i, I was having too much fun yelling yeah. back and forth with him you know, last year, Brandon had to check me. He's like, bro, come on. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I can't help it sometimes. It's just so it much is. fun, man. You know, and, and, and for me, and that was, and that was pretty early on. And, and it, it taught me something right away. Right. And, and as much as you want to notch the tag, those interactions and that ed education, I'm, you know, that's where I want to be. Right. And you lose sight of it and it's like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be calling for you. <laughs> but you know, those interactions, as you start to have those, you start to crave them. You start to thrive for yeah. them. It's like, I need that interaction. And I think that's what happens that when you do get into that interaction, especially if it's a high intensity interaction that you just, you, you kind of go numb and it's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm in, I'm in heaven. You know, this is, this is just mm -hmm. exactly. And you lose that side of, I've got a job to do here. I, I need to, yeah, I need to absolutely. focus on what's going on. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, enjoying the moment you, you most definitely need to. And, but there's a mix that you can focus on what's going on, focus on what you're doing and enjoying it at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, so you said something about, you know, 45 yep. minutes to an hour, right. And, and this may be an odd take on that. Right. But 45 minutes to an hour, you know, call it, 10, 11 hour yep. days, right? To me, as, as I'm hunting an area or I'm looking at an area or I'm planning on an area, if the bulls are silent or the numbers are low, things like that, I'd be expecting to have with, without, you know, without saying I'm having bugles all over the place. There's, there's very few bugle fests right. that are going on like crazy. I should expect to have eight or nine sets a day, Right. And, and the reason I say that is because if you're, if you're just moving through the woods and you're looking for that next opportunity, or you haven't mapped out the area right. enough, right. And you don't have areas to have these other sets. You can, guys will sit in an area and we'll get hung up on a piece of landscape. I got, I got this perfect hill that goes up. There's three benches and you'll work those yep. three benches, right. Right. <laughs> 
all day long. Well, those three benches are 150 <laughs> yards apart or 70 yards apart on this, you know, less than a quarter mile, you know, square mile. Well, everything you're doing is being heard right there, right? So I don't know if that's the right, right way to present no, it. No, I understand what you're saying. If I were, you know what I mean? If I work a bench or I work an area and nothing is happening, I need to know where I'm going next, I guess is what I'm saying. And and I'm going to expect that I give that effort this many times in, in maybe it's that many locations, you know. We only do six or seven setups. And a lot of times it's only six. And, and, and here's why. So you think about an hour each setup. Okay, so if you have three setups in the morning, that's three hours. If you started your first setup at seven, and then time to do the first setup from seven to eight, and then you're going to have 15, 20, maybe 30 minutes to get to your next spot, another hour. You know, now you're, you're, you're 930. Then 30 minutes to get to your next spot, another hour. Now you're 11 o'clock in the morning. And this is understanding elk's behavior and how they, what they do throughout the day. So, you know, elk are up feeding all night and then they start heading to bed. And depending on the temps and time of year, they're going to bed down anywhere from 9.30 to 11 o'clock. Now, later in the season, as the rut progresses more, it's going to be later and later for them, you know, to bed down. But let, let, let's say it's kind of towards that first part. So they're going to bed down about 9.30, 10 o'clock. When they bed down, they're bedded down for three and a half to four hours because basically they've been feeding all night, their stomach's full. So they're going to bed down and they're going to work on the contents of that stomach. They're going to empty that stomach. So you have that three and a half, four hour window where elk are not moving. So that's the time for you to take a break. That's the time for you to, because especially if you've been huffing it in the morning and you've been working this and you've been on the go, you probably haven't really ate or drank much since you left camp. So, so this is your time to take a break, to recharge, you know, and, and evaluate what you've seen so far in that morning. And that's the thing too, you need to pause and you need to evaluate, you know, what are we seeing? Have we heard any bugles? Where are they at? What's the vocalization? What's the weather doing? Do we have a storm coming in? Is barometric pressure going up or going down? These are all things that, you know, we're taking that break to eat, recharge. And, and again, we're going to adapt. We were planning on staying here all day. Are we going to stay here all day? Are we going to work this this evening? Or are we going to go to another spot? So it's not, again, our plans liquid. We're going to adapt, adapt and we're going to adjust as we're going. Now, midday, we're going to do another routine for an hour, but we kind of change it during the midday. During midday, we go more of a, a lonesome inviting cow routine where say in the morning, we've been focused on focusing on the breeding sequence. Now we're kind of going on this cow routine of, you know, some cows that got up, kind of wandered over to get water. You know, we're just kind of checking who's out there. We're communicating with each other. So it's a different approach. It's a, it, it's a different type of setup, but it's still that hour time frame. Okay. If, if nothing's popped off, if something does pop off, we're on the move. 
we're, we're heading towards them. Um, you know, if not, then it's settled back down. And, and again, it's okay, which way are the thermals going? We know where the elk are bedded down. Again, knowledge of your hunting area, we know where the elk are bedded down. How's our thermals? Our thermals are good. And so we're, we're bedded back down again for another window because evening time, evening time, you're going to get one, maybe two setups but for most of the time it's only one and a lot of times on those evening hunts we call it the fast and the furious because you know if we're in that area we set up we start we start you know doing that that setup that scenario we get a response there's no question of hey what are we doing it's we're booking it we're cutting the ground we're cutting the distance to that sound as fast as we can because there's not a lot of light at those evening hunts so you have to you can't sit there and wait for them to get to you you have to and in fact we're more aggressive in the evening than we are in the morning because morning time it's like you know what we got nowhere to go and all day to get there it's crazy how much slower that morning gray light is <laughs> then that then that sun going down man it is oh, like absolutely. instant you know and it's and and that that hour to 45 minutes if it's an hour um it, it just seems like it's the you want to talk about human time you it's the fastest fastest piece of that hunt it there is, is so man. so yeah so so in reality it's it's not we're looking at the day and going, hey, we're going to get eight, nine, ten setups. It's we're going to probably, you know, three to five, four to six is is a more reality because you want to. If you take that approach, because if, if you look at it as, OK, I'm going to get eight to ten setups in a day, you're going to rush. You're going to rush the time. You're going to rush to when you're getting to the next spot and, and you're going to constantly do this throughout the day. So again, are you moving and acting like an elk or are you doing things and acting like a human? So again, it goes, it goes to that knowledge aspect of understanding the behavioral patterns of what you're chasing. And you want to talk about a guy that talks about the behavioral patterns in a fabulous way, Chris Rowe. Chris Rowe is, is, you know, he's a biologist. He studied that. That's, that's what he does. I love listening to Chris talk about the behavioral aspects of elk because that guy is such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the behavioral aspects of it. And he does a great job on the vocalization aspect of it as well. He just has a little bit different approach on the vocalization side than, than what I do. So, but that, yeah. But that goes back to diversity and the beauty of opening up your repertoire to all that. Absolutely. Is, is out there. Absolutely. Really. Absolutely. But yeah. And, and, and honestly, and I think that's one thing where a lot of people, so there's a lot of people that will focus on their shooting on their gear on their proficiency with a diaphragm read, but they don't take it that other step and learn about the behavioral side. You know, yeah. where, yeah. what's the habitat that elk thrive in? What, what type of habitat do they really look for? What do they like to eat in these different habitats? And, and these are aspects that are critical because 
adaptability, adjustability, and versatility, you get to that area that there's another person in. If you don't know what you're looking for in elk habitat, you're not going to have a clue on where to go. But I'll tell you what, if you understand that and you do adjust and you do go to another place, it's amazing how many little pocket honey holes that we found by doing that because we got forced out of the spot we wanted to go to. Yeah, and I'm going to just touch on what you said, right? And and I'm guilty of this. And 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 elk have kind of changed my process because I, you know, I'm a gear junkie, right? I love I love gear, right? And I'm and I will qualify. There, there. You cannot practice proficiency with your weapon enough, right? But I think we spend a lot of time fiddle effing with our gear when we could be diving into the biology and the behavior um, the for what we pay for gear and the quality of gear across the board right. that's out there, it's going to freaking work. Right. But if you're not paying attention to behaviors and biology, et cetera, it right. don't matter how good the gear yeah. is. So, <laughs> so, you know, here's, here, here's a great way to put it in context. So you have that individual that focuses on gear and he's like, I shoot a hundred shots every day. It's like, okay, what do elk do, do throughout the day? I have no freaking clue. Okay. So imagine if you took your 100 shots a day and you scaled that back to maybe 25 to 40 good quality shots. And now you took that extra time to learn another aspect of elk behavior or learn more about vocalizations learn more about what they do when barometric pressure is rising. What do they do when a storm front comes in? What do they do when it's windy? You know, get more of that knowledge. You're still going to be proficient with your bow because you're still shooting every day. You're still getting the muscle memory. And I mean, I actually know some guys that are phenomenal shots and they don't shoot any more than 20 shots a day. Some, a lot of them are actually only 10 shots a day because they're like, I would rather have good 10 hard focused shots where I am focusing on form on every single shot so that I'm getting that muscle memory in. But the fact that I'm doing that every single day, my muscle memory is not going to go away. But now we work on between the ear aspect of it, which the between the ear Mm -hmm. aspect of elk hunting is one of those things that a lot of people fall far short on but is a a very critical piece of the puzzle. Yep. Well, we're uh, again, when the end goal is notching a tag, killing an elk, that's where, in my opinion, it's coming from. I don't, I don't. Yeah. I'm talking about gear. I've come across some really cool stuff lately. Did you, (laughs) dude, I've done, I've done good, bro. I've been like the last couple men, I've done really, really good. I, you know, especially with the wife starting to come out and, you know, her kind of catching the bug, so to speak. Um, it's really been a focus on her gear, which has been really cool. So it's tempered me. And I'm like, you know what? Did you, works. Did, works did really, you see really well. that BSSL flashlight and survival kit that I posted a few days ago? Yeah, the cool thing that. about that, that is that you, you can build your own kit. There's three different sizes and then you can choose whatever tins you want that go in that. So, so, so it's not, you're being forced with this 
one size fits all. It's that thing is completely customizable to the size you want. It's filled with what you want, what you will need. And uh, oh, yeah, excited about stumbling across that thing. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of us will build that stuff out mm-hmm. piece by piece. You know, so if you can get it and get it in one spot and grab it and throw it in the pack and go. Man, it is. It is. It is. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, but yeah, that that mental aspect of it, you know, making taking the time throughout the year to, you know, work on that, it, it, it's going to pay dividends. You know, come September, big time, and and, and also with that between the years, time on the maps. You know, time online, scouting your area, yeah. finding new holes. In fact, Bryce and I have already talked about that. We got some areas that, and and in fact, as soon as I told him you got your tag to come up and hunt with us, he's like, so I guess we're going to be scouting a lot this summer. I said, yeah. I said, you know, those areas that we've been looking at for the last three years that we haven't hiked into. And he goes, we're hiking into them. I go, yippee skippy, we are. So, so you better, Good. you better do what you need to do. Cause as soon as that snows off the mountain, we're going to be going into those new areas to check it out. How do you, how do you, you, you said something there. How do you temper that? Right. As you're going through, and this goes back to what I was saying about getting mm-hmm. hung up on landscape and, and you're going through and you're e-scouting and you know, I got this area and you pick out this area and how, how do you temper that? How do you not get stuck on that? Cause for me, I'm like, look, I need a A through C like sure right. shot a through C. Right. But I'm going to have that, that off shot. Chances are most guys are in for, you know, seven to 10 days. They're not going to get blown out of, you know, three spots, but how do you temper that and say, okay, what percentage of effort is going to go into each individual? So, so basically what we do is, is, you you know, we got to always have contingency plans. Again, it goes back to adaptability and versatility. So, because there's so many factors that play into it. Um, So I will always look on the map of our hunting area and go, okay, where haven't we gone yet? And, and in fact, we've, we've got some, some of our favorite spots. And in fact, we have a bench that's about three quarters away up from, from our camp up on this face. And we absolutely love this bench. I mean, there's, there's seven different wallows up there, five different Creek drainages that are dark. You know, you got open meadows. I mean, if if you could take a paintbrush and you could paint elk country, (laughs) this is it. This is, this is when you talk about benches, this is it. I mean, it's got blowdown areas. It's got open grass areas. It's got aspens, but we're kind of, we always kind of come into it from the North. I mean, we have multiple different routes that we'll get into it from the North. We've never approached it from the South. Well, this year when I was up on the rifle hunt with Liz, Liz and I approached it from the South. It is 10 times easier coming in from the South than everything that we've done from the North. (laughs) But again, because of the landscape, because of what we, what we go through in areas we work on the North to get in there. And, and so, so, you know, we'll sit there and we'll pick the areas on the map. And so like these new areas we're going to go into, I've, I've had them marked on the map for four years now. We're going to hike into them this summer. And as soon as we hike into them, we're going to start reading the sign. 
What type of rubs are we seeing? What type of beds are we seeing? Are we seeing rutting activity sign? Are, are you know are there oak living here now? Uh, because the reason is is we need that versatility uh, because that bench, um, you know, twenty twenty when COVID hit, there was so many people because there's a jeep trail up on top of the ridge. There was so many people that were riding side by sides that it actually pushed the elk off that bench. It pushed them at lower elevations on the mountain. So we were forced during season to go find those new areas, to go find those contingency plans. And so, so I'm going to put the time into it that if I walk into an area and I'm seeing old rutting sign, it's like, okay, it's on. We're coming in here at least one day during the hunting season to see what it is. But then of course, then your mind always goes that here's the psychology aspect. You go into this area, you're excited to check it out. So you go in early in the season and nothing's there. And it's like, God, I don't understand this. I'm seeing running signs. Okay, you know what? We're not coming back in here again. But honestly, it's one of those things that you need to go in early in the season. You need to hit it mid-season and you need to hit it at the end of the season because you saw the running sign. You know elk have been there and they're on past ruts. And if elk have been in there in past ruts, they're going to be back in there again. So the only question is, is this, is, is this an early rut zone? Is this a mid rut zone or is this a late rut zone? And, and so, uh, especially when it's a new area and really if, when you're in there scouting during the summer, you're kind of hiking around looking for things and you're making mental notes. Then during the season, you hit it early, mid, late. Now, if we've hit it early, mid, late, we're not necessarily scratching that off the list because it's like, okay, did we have a wet year or a dry year? If it's, if it's a wet year and there's feet all over the place, maybe they'll be in this little basin when we have another wet year. And maybe we, we went, maybe we went in and hunted it on a dry year and that's why they weren't in there or vice versa. Maybe this is an area that they come in only when it's dry because the food's concentrated and they get pushed in there. Again, these are all variables that need to think about and adjust. So, so as far as time commitment, I'm going to review it on the map and I'm going to look at it on 3d. I'm going to walk through it in 3d. Then during the summer, I'm going to hike through it. Yep. This is definitely something we need to put it on the list. Then we're going to hit it early, mid, late. If we get into something, okay, this is staying on our area of we're going to come back here. If not, it's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to pay attention to what the weather did. And this is, this is where we keep track and keep notes of what this area, what the weather was like, what the feed was like, what the pressure was like, and whether there was something in there or not, because next year it could be a different set of variables that now they're back in that place. Now, if it's two, three years, and we've hit that basin just early, mid, late, early, mid, late, early, mid, late. It's off the list. We don't even think about it anymore. So <laughs> we've covered rabbit holes and, and the partner. Um, how does this go into, and, and this is going to be really brief. How should guys be looking at going into this season and, and and planning their hunts? And we talked about it all, but I want to condense it into kind of the final statement for the episode. Um, so as you're planning with your partners, we're not just talking about gear we're bringing, food we're bringing, um, and et cetera. How should we be planning to sure. kill the elk? So first off, 
if it's a new hunting partner setup, if it's somebody that you've never hunted elk with, springtime hunts, go spend time outdoors together, spend time on springtime hunts, spend, spend time on some camping trips, see how you get along in the mountains. You know, uh, how does that person act in camp? Do they contribute or do they just sit on their butt wanting to be served for everything? Cause I'll tell you what, that's, that's going to be a heartache for some people, especially if you have one person that's constantly active in camp doing things and the other was just sitting there. You got to have that 50, 50 mix as the, as the season progresses and you get into that scouting mode and you're getting to season. Now you're working together to develop a game plan. You know, what are we going to do opening weekend? Where are we going to go? So all that is set in place and you've, you, you've come up with this plan together you have that plan. You've come up together. You know what you're doing that opening weekend. We generally don't plan past opening weekend because opening weekend is going to dictate what we do and how we adjust for the next weekend. And, and, and it's that constant adjustment each trip out. How are we adjusting? But from now until the start of season, you're working on those things together. You're developing the relationships as a hunting partner. You're learning how each of you, um, you know, contribute with each other. You're learning strengths and weaknesses of each other. You're helping each other to elevate those weaknesses and turn them more into a strength, which is just going to make you guys a better group together. Um, you're starting to communicate about areas. And if it is a new partnership, maybe you guys are now all of a sudden working on new areas. And, and the best thing you can do on that is you both look at the map separately because you're each going to see different things. Then you come together and you share that knowledge. You know, you, you, you go to one of the other's house, you pull up on X or whatever on the computer and you both sit there and go, okay, I found this area, this area, this area, man, I found that area too, but I also found this one and this one. And then you kind of start looking and then that's where the give and take. It's not like, okay, guy, we're going to go to my one, two, and three, and then we'll check out your areas. Sorry. It's 50, 50. It's, you know, and, and if need be, you flip a coin on, on who's number one area you're going to go to first. And then you go to the next person's number one, then number two and number two and number three and number three, but it's those give and takes and working together. And you can start developing that now and working through each other and, same thing, you know, when you're out there on those spring hunts, whether it be spring bear or spring turkey or whatever, you're learning each other's hunting skills. You know, is this person on the same fitness level with I am? How is how is their gait compared to my gait? Do I need to speed up to keep up with them or do I need to say, hey, can you slow your pace down a little bit? And you work those things out through that spring hunt and on your scouting trips, if you have the ability to. That way, when you roll into season, you guys are already on the same page. And talk about so calling, and where, <laughs> and 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 where, and where the information is yeah. flowing from, right? Um, you know, if you're on ECA and your buddy is watching the highlights uh -huh. on YouTube, and that's getting a little better. Guys yeah. are showing hunts now. Um, full hunts, but you need you to do. have that conversation <laughs> yep. as well. Right. You, you gotta be on the same, the same level there too. That should be, that should be level effort 50%. As well, and well, part of that's going to be a conversation early on too, because if you're having the conversation early on of, you know, Hey, I, I, I really like to, you know, call, 
and I like to be vocal. And, and in fact, I, I have a, a, a fairly new ECA member that he's in a group of four that come from back East out, out here West. And the three guys that he hunt with, they, they've been coming out for years and he just joined the group a couple of years ago and, and they're whitetail hunters. You know, they want to sit on a water source. They want to sit on a wallow. They want to sit on game trails. And he did that the first year. And then he actually happened to, he stumbled across one of the Wapiti Wednesday Q and A's. And all of a sudden he's like, what's this calling deal? And he looked into it. And then we started doing lessons and, and he started talking to his hunting partners. Hey, what if we do this? What if we do that? And they weren't really sold on it until 2020 when he brought this to camp and said, Hey, do you guys mind if we just try something? And they're like, sure. Why not? Cause we're not finding elk. We can't, you know, we can't find him with the glass. We can't, we can't do the things that we do. And so he set up and he started doing a blind calling scenario with the breeding sequence and called in three bulls on that first setup. And these guys were like, okay, what are you doing? Teach me. So, so you need to have that conversation <laughs> early on of your hunting styles, yeah. because if your hunting styles are hugely different and, and it's not that you're just going to say, nope, I'm not interested in that is you further the conversation. Um, you, you know, and, and it could be, you know, where are you at in your calling level? What what have you learned? What are you good at? And, and it's just those conversations early on to find those strengths and weaknesses. And then you kind of develop that game plan. OK, calling. What's your approach? You know, are you aggressive? Do you like to read the situation and adjust based on the situation it is? And, and a lot of times you'll find out it's like, well, no, I've always done it this one way what do you mean? There's more ways I can do this. And, and so, yeah, the calling aspect and, and the approach that you're going to take during hunting season, that's, that's a conversation you have early on so that you both can work on it together as the year progresses. Heck yeah. Hmm. Good stuff, brother. Um, man, I think I see in what are you going to Salt Lake? Yippee, right? skippy. Yeah, so I'll see you in a month. Why don't we? Yeah. Uh, why don't we wrap it? I think that was uh, that's some good information for folks. Um, drop where they can find ECA at the moment, and then I'm sure you'll be passing that information to those folks that are there. And then if they if they don't opt for the Patreon, how do they how do they find you and, and take advantage? You of what you so got up? you know, made it pretty easy. It's Elk Calling Academy across the board. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. And if you go to elkcallingacademy.com, that will take you to the Patreon page. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, on YouTube, there is, you know, some video series. There's the beginner's guide to elk calling, which I kind of dabble a little bit into getting started. There's a lot of episodes of Wapiti Wednesday live Q and a, I think there's year and a half worth of, of episodes. And so you figure every single Wednesday <laughs> for a year and a half there, there's a lot of material to go through, but the advantage of elkcallingacademy.com is one. I dive a lot deeper into more depth into all of the sounds and into all of the calling and the techniques, you know, that, that are within, in, in the calling. Um, and yeah, that's just going to ramp up 
you know, big time with the, with the new e-course. Um, but yeah, there's, there, there's a lot of access to information on, on YouTube. And I think that's, that's one place where a lot of people start and then they kind of, you know, start tapping the veins of, I want more. <laughs> so, and then that's when they, mm-hmm. you know, gravitate into the alt calling Academy or, you know, reach out for one-on-one lessons and, and really, you know, tailor it to, uh, you know, what they're wanting to get out of it. And, and the one-on-one lessons, it's, it, again, it's, not cookie cutter. It's, I don't sit down with each individual and tell the same exact thing and teach the same exact thing. It's because everybody's a little bit different of where they are at in the journey and everybody's a little bit different on what they want to get out of it. So, um, but yeah, any, any of the platforms can, you know, message me and, and, and set those up. And then, yeah, uh, be over there at Salt Lake. Um, we're going to be there Friday and Saturday all day. Uh, we're spending half the day of Friday and half the day on Saturday in the initial ascent booth. And then the other half of the day, we're going to be wandering around. We're going to go visit, you know, other, other partners, other friends. And so definitely if, if I'm there, come up and, and introduce yourself and say hi. And then of course, you know, the Boise sportsman show, I'll, I'll be down there with initial ascent also. And then just for clarity, cause somebody's going to type in, uh, of calling academy across the board exactly he's everywhere yeah so, so it's calling academy. calling academy on facebook <laughs> on instagram on youtube so it's it's yeah just elk calling academy uh but that'll somebody was somebody was yeah, bound elk to type calling in academy across, across the board, the board. so yeah <laughs> All right, my brother. Well, I will uh, see you in a month, man. I'm pumped. I got that. I was a uh, 1167th in line. That's awesome. That looking tag, looking so forward to it. Idaho. Yeah, that'll be a blast. Yeah, we finally get to share a camp together and share mountain t- mountainside together. Okay. Yeah, and then you'll then you'll get firsthand uh, front row seat for the shen- shenanigans that you've heard about. <sighs> <clears throat> <laughs> that's you know that's the best part man i i posted that video of my son and uh, i think we were like day seven or eight and we were standing out on the road right by the the camp there and he comes out in his drawers man right He's, you know screaming acting silly and that's the kind of crap that happens i had to cut that video i have to share it with you one day it's it's it was a little bit too much for me to post, but man, it is. You got to have that. And again, that's another important aspect of a good hunting partner. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Fun, you know, brother. <laughs> hey, right, I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure coming on and, and sitting down and talking with you and just always have a great time. 